Kia ora. welcome to the New Zealand Sim Nurse NZ podcast. My name is Erin. And I'm Alison. And I'm Marie. We are the three nurse educators from the Douglas Starship Simulation Program based in Auckland, New Zealand. We're all passionate about our work and so we'd like to welcome you to join us as we have a range of conversations about all things sim. Tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tēnā tātou katoa. Kei ngā maunga whakahi, kei ngā wai tukukiri, kei ngā mā tawaka o te motu. Ka nui te mihi kia koutou. To those who connect to the mountains, the rivers and oceans across the land, hello and welcome to you all. Welcome everyone. I am so excited that we are here today. We've got a real treat for you coming up today. Uh, we've got a bit of G&T time or <laughs> gin and tonic time as we like to fondly refer to in the office. Uh, two very special, special wahine toa with us today. Mm-hmm. Um, original simmers of our program, mm. uh, OGs if you like, mm-hmm. started up uh, what is our program today. They're our mentors, they're our bosses, mm-hmm. uh, incredibly well respected in our organisation nationally, internationally. Mm-hmm incredibly supportive humans really sharing really giving um and we are so lucky and incredibly mm-hmm. grateful to have learned from them uh learned from the best for sure amen so we've got gabrielle nuttall and uh trish wood with us today so i'm just going to do a little bit of an intro background of what we're going to talk about today and then i'll let them introduce themselves so First of all, we're going to talk about our what of our program, what the foundations and the pillars are of our of the Douglas Starship Simulation Program, and our principles. What's our history? How did we get to where we are today? Our how, how we go about what we do, um, what is it that we do, and our why. What's our big why? What's our impact? <laughs> so without further ado, I'd like to pass over to Gabrielle and Trish to give our little intro of themselves. Thanks, Erin. It's uh, lovely to be here today. Um, we feel honoured to be part of your podcast. Um, and I just want to um, correct you just before I do my introductions, is that uh, we don't see ourselves as your boss. <laughs> we see ourselves as your colleagues. Yeah. And, and friends. And friends. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. A family. So um, my name's Trish Wood and um, I have been a nurse for many years um, and I have been involved in simulation since the late noughties, uh, probably <laughs> in 2007, 2009 we did our first um, formal introduction to simulation um, and we've just grown from there so um, it's something that we're very passionate about. I've also got a strong nursing background in uh, paediatric emergency but I've also done uh, plenty of time out in the community in general practice and um, pretty much just around Auckland but yeah I, I sort of feel that my years of experience add to the depth and knowledge that I can contribute to simulation and um, yeah and the things that we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and my background is in paediatric intensive care and I was lucky enough to do the first faculty development course, as we called it back then, with Trish in 2009 Mm. and absolutely loved it. It was life-changing for me. 
and have been involved in simulation since then. And over the last few days, I've been lucky enough to have a funded one day a week with the simulation program. And um, it's one of the best parts of my week. And I love it and um, am really passionate about it. Yeah, so that's me. But Thank definitely you. part of the team. Don't see myself as a boss. Like, <laughs> we all work together and achieve. It wouldn't, yeah, friends and colleagues. Yeah. It's definitely a team with a very yeah. flattened hierarchy, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah. Incredibly <laughs> psychologically safe yes. environment. Very yes. small office space, but very tight and very psychologically safe. But <laughs> we wouldn't we wouldn't get anything done without that right. you mm. know, teamwork structure. Mm. Yeah. 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 So and, and the yes and rather than the no but attitude yeah. that we mm. bring yeah. to our jobs. Mm. You know. So true. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, myself and Maria are in the studio today, but we've also got um, Alison uh, kindly is on Zoom today. So <laughs> Hello. Welcome, Ali. Hi, <laughs> working from home today. Yeah, working from home because there's literally not enough space for all of us <laughs> in, the, in the studio. Um, so Ali will be joining us from Zoom. So thank you, Ali. Um, so, yeah, we're going to start off uh, talking about our sim pillars or sort of all about our what, if you like. So, Trish, um, can you tell us about the Douglas Starship Simulation Program? Um, how did it all begin? What was it like at the start? And what's the journey been to now? Uh, sure, Erin. Um, I think simulation started in our hospital um, in many different areas, it was very informal. Your experience was variable depending, you know, who you connected with to deliver or receive education that was simulation based. Um, and we felt that this disparity needed sorting out and we needed to standardise what it was that we were doing. Um, and uh, we got a group of people together, multidisciplinary team of people together, and we had formed a committee of interested simulation educators. Um, there was medical, there was um, somebody from the clinical school centre who had a technician background, um, nursing, and from various areas around the hospital, from the PICU, from the OR, um, anaesthesia and emergency. Um, and together, we all agreed that we needed to standardise the programme considerably and make it safe and, and make it consistent and mm. somehow make it sustainable. Um, and it's taken a long time to achieve that. So we've grown from a committee to then having um, a programme that we ran. Um, and probably in 2011, we had some FTE to do that. So we started with no FTE. Everybody just did mm. that in their non-clinical time in their own hours. Wow. And they would come together because they were so passionate about mm. it. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I was fortunate in being in the nurse educator role that I did have later on, that I did have some non-clinical time that I could attribute to that. Mm. Because prior to that, like the others, I was doing that um, after work or before mm. work or days off and things like that. Um, so that just shows the passion that we have mm. to grow this program and get it right for our for our for our hospital and for our teams. And when we started, we had this real focus on training our uh, healthcare providers. Um, and that was a nice way to start, but it's become so much more than <laughs> that. Um, when we developed our program, we changed from our committee to our program. We had um, uh, myself. I had. 
um, two and a half days a week and then we had um, later on we had a technician that would join us and he would uh, come to, to have some FTE as well um, and so the program grew and the FTE allocations grew mm. as we did that and we diversified from um, training the trainer to um, delivering simulation in situ mm -hmm. across the hospital and then in the probably 2016 we were um, very fortunate like to start we'd had a lot of support from the Starship Foundation mm -hmm. um, who have been so generous in supporting yeah. us with what we do and, and um, without them we wouldn't have the simulators that we have and mm -hmm. we wouldn't have the the people that we have or the program that we have today mm -hmm. and they've been our constant backer from the get-go really mm -hmm. um, yeah they, they're just phenomenal and they're very excited about the things mm. that we do and the focus that we have is about improving care mm. for the children and mm -hmm. the families that, that we encounter. Um, and so then um, we got some significant funding from um, a charitable trust in um, 2016, 2018 from the Douglas Charitable Trust and mm -hmm. once mm. we had that training, that funding in place, it meant that we could then guarantee some sustainability. Mm -hmm. um, we had a bigger remit to do once we had encountered, you know, we had responsibility that went with it. So mm. in combination with the Starship Foundation and with the Douglas Charitable Trust, mm. we were able to just to have such a bigger impact and a bigger reach. Mm. And, and, and the program has just blossomed mm. um, and extended and expanded with that funding. Um, really tough to get that funding, but it means that with that funding, we've gone from train-the-trainer courses, of which we've got um, a range of about five or six train-the-trainer programs, right through to um, looking at um, some uh, sim test of new environments and healthcare is changing all the time, mm. so it's important that we can test them out before we mm. put patients into those areas. We've expanded into stuff that um, healthcare professionals might need, like um, XR, AR, VR, um, those sorts of augmented and virtual reality um, areas we've dabbled in. Mm. Haven't really got a lot of traction in that, and that's a growth area, I think, but we're in there, so mm, as it yeah. expands, we'll get there. Um, we've been involved in some really um, lovely discharge sim programs. We've got a lot of children that have been in our hospital for a long time, and um, actually by the time they leave the hospital, they're still on a ventilator, and the parents have to mm. look after those ventilated children and that's really tricky for a family and we yeah. do, we never want major. a family's first night at home with their child to, to be the first time that they've been in charge of this complex machinery that's supporting their child's life mm. so it's been really important to transition the care that the experts in our paediatric intensive care units have done mm. and allowing the parents to experience that in a less clinical environment before yeah. they go home mm. to manage that child um, independently. So it's that helping with that transition of care from a hospitalised to a non-hospitalised mm. setting. Mm. Um, Massive. Yeah, we're involved in a bit of simulation-based research and, and that's been a lot of research activity over the years. You know, we started with our uh, how effective is our CPR and our CPR training around the hospital and we've extended now into the use of virtual reality mm. uh, for children and um one of our, um, you, you might have listened to King's podcast and he's even been involved in a 3D um, printed airway adjunct um, abuji that he printed and designed mm. to meet the need using his simulation research mm. um, from that. Um, 
We have quite an extensive outreach program. Um, we support um, clinicians that come to us, healthcare professionals from around the region with train the trainer training to get their groups and the, to build their programs, but mm-hmm. and also to refresh their school and and, and expertise. So mm. we've invested in them as well. So um, we go out regionally around the country on, on visits that we're funded to do now, and we can help people um, with their simulation programs. Mm. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about the FTE structure of our program and the kind of justifications that you have around that? Yeah, so that's really interesting too. I had a conversation with um, a friend, a colleague uh, last week about that and he said, why have you got um, lots of people doing smaller smaller hours per week rather than one person doing full time? And um, it was nice to reflect on that because... Mm by doing that it's given us a lot of depth and breadth it means that we and can flexibility. and flexibility yeah. yeah so we can gather everybody together for a particular thing that needs more than one person and if we just mm. have one person in that role it wouldn't work but because we've got three people uh, with split FTE it means that we can we can you know gather when we need to and bolster our numbers <laughs> and uh, when there's not much else happening you know it, it's work that an individual can get on with but there's a lot of actual physical delivery work that mm. we have to do that um, that's better with a team based approach so split mm. FTE works really well. And it's mm. more ideas and mm. different mm. thoughts and different ways of doing it and everyone mm. bounces off each other. Yeah. Different backgrounds as yeah. well I think yeah. as well as really Absolutely. really, really powerful and yeah. powerful. Yeah. And it's given, fun. A, it's, given, <laughs> it's given us great inroads into many different areas and opened doors for us as well, yeah. you know. And we've got doors mm. open in the PICU, in the ED, in the NICU, and our friends that we have um, trained as trained the trainers open other doors to us in many other mm. areas within our hospital and outside our hospital as well. Absolutely. Um, and the power of that collective brain is valuable. Mm. And the whānau keeps growing. Yeah, <laughs> and I would say that's not just across med- medical because we've got that yeah. same approach across medical, mm. haven't mm. we? Like, mm. you yeah. know, split FTE as mm. well. Yes. And I think the split All FTE the also shows its value in the fact that of the group of people that we have, they're all sitting as individuals on different committees and yeah. they're a voice for mm. simulation on those different committees as well. So yep. we have become embedded in the very core yep. structure of, mm. our, of our healthcare system mm. um, and it's hard to tease it out and it means that we've got a voice in all these key mm. areas. Um, so I think that's been invaluable um, and, and a real bonus in splitting the FTE, yep. mm. um, the hours that we work as a team. They don't realise we're infil- infiltrating. <laughs> <laughs> Shh, that's like the fun. That's like the fun. We can't talk about it. Don't tell them how much fun we have. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So you talked a little bit about the sim pillars earlier, Trish and Gabrielle. Um, what What's important about those and in, into making a safe program? Because we, we've talked a lot about psychological safety in previous mm-hmm. yeah. episodes and, and I know that we all feel really passionately about it. So can you tell us a little bit more about how the pillars are important and contribute to that? So I would say being able to do safe simulation is something that all of us are incredibly passionate mm. about. And before I talk about how we do it... Um, if we look back historically to when we mm. first started, um, 
we probably, well, we definitely didn't do as good a job as we did now um, because we didn't, we didn't know as much. We were just right. starting and we, um, you know, the experts that had come and taught us were, mm-hmm. you know, back in Boston. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And there weren't as many of us. So, and we just had to start. Right. Absolutely. And we mm. were passionate about it. Yeah. And the way we all learn is by making mistakes. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So. And doing it, getting yeah. amongst it. Yep. Yeah. So for anyone listening that hasn't started on the journey, mm-hmm. like we are going to make mistakes so mm. true. along the way or we are going to, you know, have little hiccups. And I guess it's just about recognising those and mm. being transparent about them and apologising to people and you know, keeping on going. But I think we probably have now learnt things that, in retrospect, we could have done, Hmm. maybe. So for me, for us, for all of us, the Hmm. things that that help with that are having a really, a common language. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So I think back in the first episode you did, you talked about, the simulation zones, yeah, yeah, and the zones have a debriefing methodology mm-hmm. that's linked to them. So if yep. you have that, then that's safe for for everyone because mm-hmm. they know how they're going to be debriefed. Yes, mm-hmm. and so that's really important. Um, having a so having that structured program with that common language and training. Having people who are doing simulation and debriefing being trained, mm. not just being thrown in there, I think mm. is really important. Yeah. Especially the people that are doing the debriefing. Yes. Having senior leadership buy-in mm. is incredibly important and you really need Absolutely. to have that before you start. Mm. Yeah. Um, Having MDT involvement mm-hmm. yeah. and training together yep. is important. Um, having a program that's inclusive, that's culturally mm-hmm. safe, and recognizing that we all have inherent biases. Mm. Yeah, Absolutely. so we just have to think about that. For example, um, like we think about, oh, we want to have as one of our goals working out how we would cope with, you know, a doctor or a nurse who is difficult to manage communication-wise. And we say, oh, we'll choose a difficult surgeon or a difficult mm. intensive care doctor or something. Mm. And we're already introducing bias mm. by Doing that, and, and I think and in the possibly a little bit of stereotyping yeah, as well. Yeah, which exactly. Is hard to get away yeah. from, but in a, in a thing. Mm. Absolutely. And in the past, we would have done that and not mm-hmm. even thought about yeah. thought yeah. about it. Yeah. So you know, yeah. just those kind of things yeah. that we're now more aware of, I mm. think, make it safer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, partnering with some leads in all different areas, mm-hmm. making mm-hmm. sure they are 
know what's happening and kept up to date and including them. Mm, yeah. um, having that technology support has been really, really key. And we are mm. incredibly lucky with, mm. with that. And we recognise that mm. not oh, everybody... Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Mm. Is as lucky as us. But it's also, it's amazing how much you can do with not as much. Yes, mm. Mm. absolutely. Yep. Which is one of the things we try and demonstrate. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, how important it is to do a needs assessment of some kind. So yes. whether that's something that's formal, as in like a survey monkey, Mm. Or whether that's just at the beginning going around the room and working, asking right. people what they're hoping to get out of it. Right. Or whether it's asking the nurse educators, mm -hmm. you, know, what, you know, what their plan is for the year mm. in terms of what needs updating. Mm. Um, and then being very aware to, to follow what the people... The participants' mm. needs are yeah. not your. Yeah, it's mm. funny you agenda. mentioned that around the room agenda. sort of yeah. in introduction. What are you trying to get out of this? Because prior to joining this team, I'd never actually thought about writing that stuff down. Yeah, to note it and to sort of cement it a little bit more in my brain, so that moving through that session, that was where I could focus yeah. the conversations or the the learning. So. Just something as simple as that yeah. and, and being yeah. really mindful and aware in that moment think, that it is a needs analysis yeah. of sorts. I think, you know, exactly as you're saying, Marie, it's like last week I think it really sort of came to a forefront. We ran a train-the-trainer session and kind of asked everybody what they wanted, mm. what their expectations were right at the beginning of the course and three days later kind of asking people, what they actually achieved or what they felt they achieved. And it's it's so rewarding and so sort of satisfying as a program and as sort of educators within that program to sort of see that you are meeting people's needs. And I think mm. as a program as a whole, we're kind of, we're very adaptable to people's mm. needs. You know, we, we do ask them what they want to get out of sessions that we've run. Um, and I think that respect for what people want rather than what yeah. we want yes. is very much at the forefront of what we do. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I think that's a big change from mm. when we started mm. to now. Interesting, because yeah. it feels so natural to everything mm. that we do now. Mm -hmm. So that's fascinating to hear that. But mm. I think there's also really different ways of doing it mm. like in the beginning it was like this has to be a, a formal right. like survey monkey yeah mm. um and like which is still really like in a zone fun. three debrief it's like the reactions phase mm. like what mm. people say is what they want to talk, talk about, about. Yeah, mm. yeah. so like there's so many different ways of doing it mm -hmm. it's just important that you think about it yeah. and that you are doing what the participants need and what's important to them mm. so a needs um, assessment doesn't have to be formal yeah, but it yeah. needs to be something you think about yeah. in order to make what you're doing safe mm. for the participants and so they leave feeling like their needs have been met yeah 
And then I guess it's also your reporting and feedback links mm. are really important to making participants feel safe and that their needs have also been met. Mm-hmm. Mm. But also Absolutely. for the key stakeholders yeah, too yes. to recognise yeah. that, that we've done it, mm-hmm. this very positive thing yeah. And, yeah. And, and what has happened. It's all yeah, yeah, yeah. you know de-identified stuff, but it's picking up some really interesting yes. things for them to, to continue to support staff to commit some time to this. Absolutely. And I think... Um, Sorry, it's really hard to know when to like. Yes, okay. But I think, you know, something that I've learned and something that I've kind of recognized over time is, you know, I was, you know, why are they going over the course again? You know, surely they've gone over these slides, you know, a thousand times. But I think what I recognize now is the evaluation, you know, yeah. of what you've done. And it's like you're always adapting, yes. always yeah. adapting, yes. always changing you know, to what people have sort of said and the evaluation of, you know, courses and sessions, so all those kind of things, you know, it's literally just changing little things all the time to, mm. to meet people's mm. needs. It, it's really had a profound impact mm. on how I look at what I deliver. So, mm. you know, kind of like looking at your example for that. So you're Absolutely. talking about, there's sort of three parts to this. So mm. I guess after any course, we get feedback from the participants about what they liked, what they mm-hmm. want changed. And almost every course, we're like, we're not changing this again. <laughs> and every course we do, we're like, no, they didn't like oh, this. this and we're changing it again. <laughs> we can make this little tweak. Or because we're tweak. so passionate about doing a really good job. And yes. is it just the Cobb learning cycle? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. But then there's also the fact that when we find like knowledge gaps or mm. systems problems, mm. we like we tell the participants that we're going to f- sort this for them mm-hmm. or and feed it back. So mm. we need to make sure that happens or Absolutely. else we're being mm. dishonest. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. there's that bit of it. Mm. And then we also have a responsibility to the leadership who have supported us to mm. let them know what we're doing, how much we're doing, how it's going, so that so that they know it's happening mm. and that people are valuing it. Mm. And it means it's also on their mind so that mm. when they come across right. other things that are going on the hospital in the in the hospital, in the health right. system, they can be, Oh, okay, this might be an area that this team right. could also help us with. Right. Yeah. So to me there's three mm different yeah. parts mm. Absolutely. of and that's, that. I feel like that's the perfect segue into the next sort of question that we had in terms of embedding safe simulation in, in our organisation. And I feel like we've touched on quite mm. a few parts of that in, in this discussion already. But, but if you had to sort of pull out the important parts, how, how have we embedded safe simulation into the organisation as a whole? I would say two key things. One is the having the zone structure. Mm. Yeah. And two is that people need to be trained mm-hmm. to debrief. Mm-hmm. And then can I add a third? <laughs> of course. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> <laughs> and like we've always 
offered these debrief refreshers. Yeah. Mm. And there hasn't been amazing uptake. Mm. But I think we've sort of worked out that maybe making them department specific mm. or offering them to a group. Yeah, department specific yeah. to a group. Yeah. Yeah. Or and or offering them like a just in time refresher before yeah. people do something might be a better way mm. yeah. to do it. You know, it's been so busy and, right. um, you know, COVID is an overused word. <laughs> but since COVID there, you know, people have been so busy clinically. Yes. Mm. And as everyone knows, nurses are just so valuable and there aren't enough of them to look after patients, let alone train. But we mm. can't let training slip and right. education slip yeah, or else we'll have an even bigger problem. Absolutely. So just supporting people so that they feel confident doing it mm. and so it can be delivered in a safe manner is really important. So mm. offering them... Supporting like, them where they're at, not yeah. where we mm. think they should be or where they even think they should be, but well, where they're actually at just at, giving at this a, moment. Yeah, yeah. are we mm. top up before yeah, 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 exactly. they go in to do it when they haven't yeah. had the opportunity mm. to do much over mm. the last the, little while? Like as a new debriefer, I found it invaluable sitting with you guys and just doing a just-in-time... Mm. You know, running through mm. the structure of the debrief was incredibly helpful and you felt really set up mm. going into mm. that. Yeah, it takes time. You've got to protect that time to have that impact, Absolutely. don't you? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And people will sort of try and shortcut that bit, but that's mm. the only reason that we're doing the simulated activity so we can sit and discuss mm. things that are important to us. Time to think, hey. Mm. Time yeah. to reflect. Yeah. And, yeah. So adding on to what you've said, Gabriel, about the <laughs> impact of sim, I think we've also got to be really mindful of the fact that when we're simulating um, at Starship, and in a lot of areas, I think a lot of other listeners will find the same thing, is that you've got to be psychologically safe for others in the environment as well. So mm -hmm. if we were yeah. sim simulating in a four-bedded yeah. room, we might spend some time and say to the other families in this area, look, you know, this is simulated clinical activity. It's not yeah. a real patient, and, and the curtains are not soundproof. Um, <laughs> so, you know, whatever you hear is in yes. confidence but um, these people are in protected time so we're not taking time away from yes. your clinical from your child's needs yes. mm. and also when we're in the emergency department and in many areas around the hospital we have a little sign that we pop up that mm. says simulated clinical activity in progress um, practicing delivering expert care or something mm. like that um, and that flags to people that uh, as they're walking through like ambulance cases and parents Absolutely. that are coming through they'll mm -hmm. be like gasping and it's like oh what can I see happening there that doesn't look right um, and it's just yes. flagging that the fact that we are trying to improve the care yep. that we give and, and mm. how we give it. So and they love it it makes mm. them actually feel safer yeah. yes. they're like oh you do actually yeah. practice this mm. that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And then another impact is the, the impact now that the younger audience um, have with connecting and, and seeing outcomes and seeing activity and that sort of thing mm. and that's something that you guys do beautifully like like when I started my nursing podcast, weren't even a thing. <laughs> um, but social media is such a big, um, it's, it's a big utility now. And yes. um, mm -hmm. you're tweeting and you're podcasting and you're putting all this information out. And we have mm -hmm. WhatsApp groups that are just amazing. Um, and we're presenting at conferences and things both nationally and internationally. And being part of our networks and being visible in our networks. So, you know, taking on some of those um, mm -hmm. executive roles or board positions on, on our 
local simulation networks and, and mm. international mm. simulation networks just better connect us and We've got a voice now nationally and internationally mm. because of that, and we recognised. Mm. So I think that's a huge impact and outcome from this, the work that we do. Yeah, absolutely. It always amazes me how well-respected... I mean, it's not amazing that you're well-respected, Trish. That kind of came out wrong. Um, <laughs> but, you know, when I kind of go on the education committee, and we've got, you know, we've got this, like, little country kind of like stuck in the you know south pacific and yet you know these north american and canadian kind of like you know all these you know they have such respect for our program and a lot of that is because of of what you and gabrielle have kind of done and i Mm -hmm. think you know we've got so much to kind of um thank you guys for for putting us on that kind of world stage and, and making Absolutely. you know starship simulation an actual you know a respected voice within the simulation world i think it's got a lot to do with you guys and, and how you've pushed the program and and the respect that you guys have sort of got within that community mm. so mm. it's kind of helped us to to branch out into that Definitely. and to have the confidence yeah. to start getting onto those and, and we've had great role modeling as well you know um dr mike shepherd um who was leading this program for many years um yeah. mm-hmm. it was always great when he was around because you could stick him in front of a camera and he could talk to media and do all those wonderful yeah. things <laughs> that, that we do under sufferance um, and yeah. he was natural he's amazing it. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so and Boston a big shout out to, to both mike What's and about joe i mean joe yeah. was on the board of directors yes. and yeah. ipss yeah. and ken yeah. was a fellow and and mike's you know, been chair and yeah. i've been executive yeah. director and i've been involved in team. the new zealand one Absolutely. as well yeah. and even um not even dinesh akuma our simulation yeah. technician has been active on the board of the new zealand simulation society mm. for a yeah. long time mm. um and connects us all in and so he was a sim ghost champion as well wasn't yeah. It? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah yeah so we've got an amazing team yeah. and i think it's been great to let yeah. people you know explore this more and, and create their own journey and and mm. build their networks and i encourage you listeners to all build your networks and to be engaged and be present in these in these uh, simulation groups and um, yeah. yeah and enjoy it most of all yeah absolutely and again another great segue into how we do that as as in, in terms of our team in terms of outreach because we we are now funded to go around the country and reach out to all of the listeners if you need any help can you um Tell us a little more about outreach and how that works or how we kind of so envisage that to So initially go forward. Outreach we did purely as a zone three program. Mm. And then the we're sort of segueing more into doing a bit more zone two. Mm. And and really just open to what other centres need yeah again with covid mm. things have been a little difficult. bit different <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's been a bit hard to get on a plane <laughs> and travel out of auckland absolutely but um really we're open to doing what people need and we've we've been all sorts of places mm. and developed mm. relationships with all sorts of centers yeah and we're open to hearing from anyone and seeing what they need and seeing what mm. we can 
work out. Yeah, what we really need is just an invitation and, yeah. and some willingness. <laughs> yeah, um, mm, there's absolutely. a little bit of work associated yeah. with it, but we support the people with mm. that in the local mm. centres. Yeah, mm. um, but we really we love it. Mm. Mm. And um, and it's at it's at no cost. So yeah. mm. the only cost to the um, hospital if, is the uh, paying of staff's time. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and as their, their staff, not our staff. <laughs> not us, not yeah. Us. yeah, so they yes. get staff to come in their educational or their non-clinical time. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So as Trish says, days. there is a bit of work on their part in terms of. Organising things, yeah, and yeah. and we do need a bit of forward warning mm. to mm. work out times and things. Mm. But whether it's zone three or interdepartmental, mm. or whether they want us to run an introduction to some workshop and yeah. then do some zone two for them, um, so there's a whole range of mm. possibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's great having those relationships around the country. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And some places we've done more than one visit to. So, mm. nice. yeah. Mm. And it's, it, there's a sort of, um, it spills over into my other job. Because <laughs> then when you know people around the country mm. and you get to talk to them, mm. like that's pretty special. Then they Absolutely. ring you about yeah. a patient somewhere. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah other benefits yeah. as and well. And even internally, I mean, Jo tells that story where she came rushing down to the ED when they put out yes. a neonatal call and it was yes. this extremely prim baby who was pretty fragile and pretty sick and she got down to the emergency department because she was the neonatologist that would yes. be taking the care of this child and she looked around the room and she saw people that she'd met in some yes. and she took a big deep breath and thought, everything's going to be okay. Yeah. You know, as a team, yeah. we can function really well together and support this child. Yeah. And it was a very positive experience mm. for everybody yeah. involved. So, it yeah. does change. It does spill into real life. How Absolutely. you interact with people when you've worked with them in a team of any kind and when you Absolutely. know them. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, really And you've positive. talked about interdepartmental inter- sim, which is massive. Sorry, Al. No, go on. Um, can you talk to us a little bit more about that? Sure. Again, that is something that is really exciting. And mm. once you've done it, you think, wow, that was so useful yes. and so beneficial. Absolutely. So so NICU have done some, mm. as you know, mm-hmm. surgical ones. And in PICU. And ENT. And mm. ENT. Yep, yep. Yeah. And PICU we do... ECMO mm. ones, and yes. we've done some in the cath lab as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. Um, and every time we do them, they're like, we're like, oh, we need to do more of these. Yeah. And then you start to plan one, <laughs> and you're like, this is why we don't do them that often. <laughs> yeah. It takes a good six yes. months or more of planning to yeah. get one of those Massive. up and running because Massive. there's so many. Moving parts. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah, because you've, like with the ECMO one, you need cardiac surgeons, mm. perfusionists, you know, surgical nurses, PICU nurses, you know, just so many people that, you know, the organisational side is huge, but the benefits are also huge. Yeah. Mm. They're yeah. massive. Mm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm. So yes. great, but time consuming. Yeah. Mm. Yes. So I think that's kind of leading nicely into what we call our SIMPACT. Um, we've kind of started doing what we call a SIMPACT report, which is <laughs> just reporting on everything that we do. 
too. But that kind of leads into, you know, the sort of next questions. And, and basically, I think you've answered a lot of this. And I could ask this of either one of you, see what I did there. But, <laughs> you know, Trish, I'll, I'll start you know, why is it that we do this? You know, what impact does all of this have that we do? And I think you have answered some of that, but... I think the very heart of what the reason of our why is because we want to do the best we can by the children and families that we encounter in our service. Mm. Um, And for a long, you know, for a long part of my career, it was about getting the job done for myself and then when I was in a charge nurse position for my for my department. But if we can do this as an organisation is to really lift the delivery of care to the children that we mm-hmm. and families that we are looking after, I think that's where the money is and that's the passionate thing that yeah. drives me and, and that's, I think, for me in a nutshell what underpins our programme is, is improving the things we do for families. I would say it's also getting the systems in place mm-hmm. so that clinicians of any kind, mm-hmm. no matter who they are, or healthcare mm-hmm. workers of any kind, can concentrate on what they do to keep children and families safe mm. without having to worry about some of the systems things, mm. yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. which in the end is much better for the healthcare workers. Mm. Absolutely, yeah. which yeah. is mm. therefore much better for the system. Yeah, itself, and for the children. Right? And yeah. definitely for the children. Yeah. 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 So it's about keeping the healthcare workers safe as well because mm. when things don't go well, they feel just terrible. Mm-hmm. But it's very hard to be concentrating really hard on looking after a patient and also concentrating on some of these other things. And mm-hmm. if we can get the system yeah, If you're not set right, up to succeed, yeah, it's exactly. always going to be upsetting. And, and That's a better way to put it. Yeah. So, so for me, it's about that well. as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. definitely. So that wraps up beautifully. And I'll just kind of, I'll just finish with my favourite question, which is a plus delta from, you know, zone two. But for both of you, what would you recommend that people do that you have done and anything that you might have done differently within the program, within setting up, anything you might have done differently? I think um, I, am, I want to start with a delta. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll turn Just it into like a plus. I'll, I'll turn it into a plus. <laughs> I think pushing through um, to deliver a simulation in the early days when everything's stacked against you and you get you're getting a talk to the hand, stop, we can't do this, and having somebody with you that is senior enough to say we are doing this mm. and and it will. We will. Okay. It will be okay. We've got protected time. We we can make it work. I think. Yeah. So so having somebody to help you, especially when you're a little bit wobbly getting started, to have somebody that's going to have your back and say, "We are going to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, we can do this. You'll be okay." Mm. Um, I think the main thing I would do differently is. Sorry, Ali. I think the thing we did right was we invested in people, not equipment, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we got senior buy-in as a program. I would Mm -hmm. say they were the two main things we did right. And the main thing I would do differently is I would focus more on what the participants, the learners needed um, so that I fulfilled their 
needs, like that needs assessment thing I talked about, and I would listen more. Yeah. Nice. Listen more Mm. and say less. And we've got this thing, love your learner, and I think it's so, that embodies Mm. everything, you know. If you love your learner and realise that they're, you know, they're here to learn and to give just as much as as the next person, um, that we will have a much better attitude and approach to what it is that we do. Just remember, we're, we're facilitating a guided conversation. So just mm-hmm. that learning when to interrupt and when not to interrupt mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. interrupting the least you can. It's just like guiding the conversation. Yeah. But mm. yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's it. Nice. Well cool. better wrap this up I guess. Yeah, that's <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we're we're talkers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's all been yeah. really valuable. Yeah, it's been lovely having a bit of gin and tonic in here. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. The old gin so, tea. Thank you so much, gin. ladies. I know your time is precious, and You're we welcome. really, really appreciate that you've come in here today. Mm. Um, just to sort of wrap it up, some take-homes, I guess. You've learned a lot more about our program, about DSSP, what we get up to, why it's important, um, how we go about it, all these kind of structures and pillars and foundations that we're built on the nuts and bolts and the rats and mice of Mm. what we get up to on the daily um and our why why is this all important yeah absolutely so yeah thanks for listening guys adios thanks thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast it was made possible by the starship foundation and the douglas charitable trust And special thanks go out to all of our amazing guests and especially our producer Carl Thompson from Blue and Ginge Creative. If you'd like to connect with us on Twitter or find out any information from any of the episodes on this podcast, just see the show notes. Our Twitter handle is at starshipsimprog and our email is starshipsim at adhb.govt.nz. We would love to hear from you.